Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse on the last day of 2022, David Hall, Bruce Levine, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score until 11 o'clock, talking baseball with you. Looking back on this day of reflection, boy, the Cubs and the White Sox had different second halves. The Cubs filled people with a little bit of hope and optimism by going 39-31 and 31 after the All-Star break, finishing 74-88. and 88. And the White Sox, the most disappointing team in baseball, I think you could say without much hesitation. 81-81, and 81, the definition of mediocre, and go into the offseason with much different agendas, Bruce. As we look back, as we're going to get to our phone callers, 312-644-6767. For each team, what do you think the biggest storyline was from the 2022 calendar year? Well, the biggest storyline is two for me, David. I, I know you only asked for one because you'd rather talk to callers than me, and I understand that. Uh, but I, I think the Tony LaRusso story was the, the big story of uh, 2022 for the White Sox. I, I don't think it was the uh, the story that I'll point to, though. Uh, LaRusso was the LaRusso story was a distraction because of the fact that, as we, we found out later, he was uh, managing sick all year. And uh, some of the things that went on and some of the question marks about his moves as well as falling asleep on the bench one day uh, had to do probably with medication and illness and probably shouldn't have been there from the beginning. Uh, It's only a credit to his toughness that he was there. But that was a huge story. But the, the real story was Anderson, Robert, and Eloy Playing, playing in a 238 out of 486 games. Uh, so the, the, the combination of the three played less than half the season, and that impacted the, the White Sox more than anything else. Those injuries alone, to me, were the biggest story for the Chicago White Sox in 2022. Well, I will, I will – kind of agree with you but only only to a, a limited amount a, a limited point here Bruce I I don't know to what degree Tony LaRusso's health contributed to him being a bad manager so I'll say this if that was a factor and it was either unnoticed or undiagnosed 
then this fits under the big umbrella. The biggest disappointment in terms of the White Sox in 2022 was an organizational failure to give them a manager that was capable of that was that this team deserved. And so whether it was whatever contributed to that, it was an experiment as disastrous as it was disappointing. And that to me was was the story of Chicago baseball in 2022. Um, I mean, how and, would they have seen that coming, David? Well, I think they, if you're if you're suggesting that medical issues contributed contributed to him dozing off in the clubhouse and not being as sharp as he could be mentally, you've got to have people surrounding your manager who is the oldest manager in baseball looking for these kind of cues, looking for this kind of signs, and doing something about it once they start to be obvious to everyone. So uh, it's an organizational breakdown somewhere along the line. I, I, I don't disagree that it's an organizational breakdown, but how would you have uh, stopped it from happening? That that's If the guy doesn't tell you, and on top of that, coming off of winning a division the year before, how would, uh, how would Han, how would Williams, how would uh, Jerry know that they needed to have a manager in waiting? I think that signs were obvious, Bruce. This was not a manager that was making an impact. And if anything, it was the malaise was part of the problem. And the, that's the manager's responsibility. I don't think we need to relitigate the 2022 season. No, the no, manager I'm not, stunk. I, I, my, my New Year's resolution, David, to you and all Chicago baseball fans is I will not defend uh, Tony LaRusso's moves anymore in 2023. That's a good resolution. I, I think that well, we can right. both He's agree. I, I think that we can both agree that 2022, the most disappointing aspect and story of the White Sox involved the manager. Okay, period. How about the Cubs? What is the most disappointing? What was the biggest story about the Cubs in 2022? Uh, the bi- biggest story to me was uh, the uh, improvement of uh, Ian Happ. Uh, I, I think that was a huge story. Uh, nobody saw him as a, a good left fielder, an adequate one maybe. No one saw him as a gold glover. No one saw him as a guy uh, that was going to hit 280. No one saw him as a guy that was going to con- continue to improve hitting from the right side. He did all these things. He was one of the most improved players in the league last year, and and he shined for them. Uh, did it make a big difference in uh, their record? You know, that's you can argue it, but to me, uh, his his was big. But um, I will also have a part uh, a part B to that, and that is uh, Justin Steele and, and the, the fact that they have now started to identify reliable and even top of the league type pitching in their organization that has been such a sore spot for them developing players over the last 10 years. So Those Steel, are good ones, Bruce. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Steele. And again, we talk about the fact that uh, improvement's not always linear, but he was one of the top left-handed pitchers in the game last year. And uh, ERA-wise, in his 24 starts, I think it was a, a 3.14 ERA. So uh, there's, there's plenty of good feeling to, uh, to have going forward if you're a Cub fan or a front office person looking at Steele, uh, looking at Thompson and, and improvements in those areas. Happ and Steele and Thompson, those are all reasons for optimism in 2023. Young players 
that you think will be around here for a long time. I would just go big picture, Bruce, and maybe echo or amplify what you're saying. When you look at what the Cubs did in the second half, they finished the season 16-6. and six. They finished the second half 39-31. and 31. They had the third lowest ERA in baseball since the All-Star break, and that is organizationally emphasizing the infrastructure of pitching. And I think that is the big key moving forward. What are the Cubs going to be in 2023? How far will they go? They'll go as far as their young pitching carries them. And I think they have a mix of youngsters with veterans. They're trying to integrate guys like Tyone, guys like Drew Smiley, with guys like Justin Steele, Wesneski, and Keegan Thompson. It's a exciting young mix. Tommy Hadovy's the right guy to be pitching coach of that group. So to me, overall, the biggest story development uh, in a positive way, I think, for the Cubs is is embracing this idea that pitching and defense will be how they get back to the postseason. And that is that that is the way they're going to try to do this this time. I agree. Uh, I mean, it, there's a, there are a lot of positive uh, things looking forward. I don't think anybody's going to predict uh, being pre- predicting the Cubs to win that division. No. So as they incrementally start to sneak up, uh, I think that's going to be acceptable to the Cub fans out there. That's what we think. What do you think? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Mark is in Oak Lawn. Thanks for waiting, Mark. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, you know what? I really enjoy your show. You guys are, you know, I was I was driving, and I heard Mickey make that call <laughs> about the Cub, and and I loved both of your reactions, David. You took him on a little bit, and that was good, and you let him talk, and and Bruce. You, I was really, say what you said, you know, you were so honest about it. I'm like, man, this guy's really an honest guy. You know, there's no baloney about him. Uh, I might, I might might stink, but I'm honest, you know, and and that goes a long way. I appreciate you saying that. I I love to, I love to talk about the, uh, uh, the right fielder that the Sox got from, uh, I think defense is very contagious in the clubhouse. Uh, when you see a guy that t- is a perfectionist and really works hard at defense and takes a lot of pride in what he does, that can carry over. I think when you got a, a mentality of just hitting the ball out of the ballpark all the time, home run hitters, home run hitters, you, you know, they're 20% on base percentage. That's not going to get it done. You got to have guys that, that uh, defense is, 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 it really brings a team more together, I think, than driving the ball out of the ballpark. But I wanted to say one thing, though. I think that my biggest disappointment in the 2022, the Cub, at the beginning of the year, they knew that they're not going to win anything. And going to the ballpark, it, it really – and they're selling out every game at Wrigley Field. They should be competing every year, not – well, we're going to wait five years, and maybe we'll get better, and, and we'll take the fourth uh, guy that's available, the best shortstop. They should be competing more. And I give the Sox credit for last year, even though they, they dumped and they didn't play well. Going in, I really thought they had a chance. You know, they were trying. But I, don't think, I think the cup management is my biggest disappointment. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the phone call and the comments. Bruce, that is something that bothered me the last two years because the Cubs were bad by design. And I I know that they will resist that that notion, 
and and now it might be a moot point because of the way they have approached this offseason. But I understand where Mark is coming from when identifying that as one of the bigger disappointments up until the All-Star break when things started to turn around on the north side. Yeah, you know, I'll just take this to the Contreras rhetoric all year long, right? And the idea that many Cub fans, yourself included, I'm not saying you're a Cub fan. I think you're pretty neutral when it comes to the teams. But uh, many Cub fans asked, if you're not going to sign Contreras and you're not going to trade him, what's what's the idea here? I, we, we don't understand. If you don't like Contreras, tell us why you don't like him. Well, obviously, you know, doing, you know, our work as reporters, you know, most of us came to the conclusion over the last couple of years that both the front office and David Ross didn't think he was the guy moving forward to put the fingers down every day and, and, and see the improvement in the pitching staff that they want for the amount of money they were going to be paying him. So move on. Uh, should they have said it? I, I think subtly they did, David, right? I mean, yeah. they, they were just moot about they did. the whole thing. Yeah. They did. They told us exactly what they thought of Wilson Contreras, and that's why he's a Cardinal instead of a Cub. Let's go back to the phone lines. Chip is in Villa Park. Chip, welcome inside the clubhouse. Happy New Year. I have it. Good morning, Chip. Good morning, guys. I think that the, the biggest disappointment, I would say, uh, and it leads into the question I have, was the White Sox inability to address issues that it had heading into the season that could have certainly helped them um, be pushed probably closer to the top. And that obviously was your second base right field. Their inability or not wanting to actually go into the free agency to get guys who could solidify those positions, not just for a season, but for a couple, I think is damning to the organization. And I think that they just seem to be afraid for whatever reason or stubborn to want to pull the trigger on deals to really help this ball club and move them forward. I mean, I'm looking at Cleveland getting uh, Josh Bell at first base, upgrading a position of need and doing it immediately. The White Sox waiting and letting everything come to them. I think that this has been a problem for years. I think it's been an issue. And Bruce, to a point you made last week, I think it was, or the week before, about why not, and you said I think it was, well, 23,000 people. You know, that's the reason. I think that's a cop-out. I think this team has just got a financial philosophy and an inability in, uh, to want to spend and go after it. And the glaring holes could have been filled by solid players last year. They didn't do it. They didn't go after things this year. You brought up catcher. Sean Murphy's sitting right there. Make a move to try to get him. They don't. They're sitting back just waiting. Um, I think this is a team that just does not want to be aggressive for whatever reason, and I don't understand why. And I'd like to know – what the reason is that they're so afraid to make a major move to upgrade this ball club the way they need to. Thank you, Chip. Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, let me try uh, answering that first and then let you have your opportunity. I think in the case of like a Sean Murphy, for example, I'm not sure the White Sox had the prospect capital That's to be able to – That's where I was going, David. Okay. The Braves did, and the Braves do. Right. As for the bigger picture about being fearful of making a trade, I don't know if that's the case as much as – and I understand the, the sentiment, Chip. I Believe me, I do. What the White Sox did, though, going back a couple of years, was they identified they – they, they, they thought they were removing the need to take those risks when they locked up their best talent, their young talent long-term. And when you do that, you, you go in a direction that's very hard to reverse – 
once you go down that road. It, it's a very narrow road, but it's also thought to be clear and headed in the right direction because you're investing in guys like Mankata and Eloy and Luis Robert and all your young talent that, in theory, makes you uh, – you're going to be risk-averse because you've already declared what you think you, you need to do to win over the long haul. So that probably prevents – front office from being overly aggressive because they feel like they've already invested heavily in the talent that is already there. So that would be the way I would answer Chip's um, comments on the White Sox, which are very interesting. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. That's exactly where I was going to go, David. You went to my point immediately that uh, uh, they were in on Murphy. They have tried. Believe me, the White Sox front office doesn't want to just sit on their hands. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want them sitting on their hands. What is? Can they spend all the money that they want to? Can they spend uh, like Mr. Cohen does with the New York Mets? No, they can't and they won't. But the reality of not having a matchup with young players has bitten them more than once over the last couple of years because, as you point out, all the good young players that the White Sox have in their organization are at the major league level. Right. And they're locked out for a long period of time. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Robert, Anderson, Eloy played half years last year. That was not good enough. You weren't going to win with half seasons out of those guys. You weren't going to win with Grandal contributing nothing because of injury and then not being able to be productive after coming back from it two years in a row. So for, from all of that, uh, you know, they're hamstrung. They, they weren't able to uh, acquire not one but two pitchers from Oakland that were available last year because they didn't have the matchups with minor league players. And and what, what you say is true because when you look at the difference, let's say, just in, in the su- biggest surprises for the Cubs and the White Sox, when you talk about the Cubs, we already mentioned Christopher Morrell, or maybe it's a young pitcher like Hayden Wisniewski, somebody like that who is a young player on the way up. When you talk about the White Sox's biggest surprises from 2022, you're talking about either Johnny Cueto or Elvis Andrews. You're talking about two guys who were accidental right. White Sox that they get credit for finding when they're on the scrap heap, essentially, but they were not necessarily what the front office had in mind when they were designing the ways to you know, put together the best roster for 2022. So that, to me, underscores what you're talking about. They don't have the prospects. They weren't able to count on that kind of incremental growth, and the guys that, who did yeah. come through for them were, were there oh, accidentally. Yeah, Han's plenty smart enough to know who to trade for. Whether you can get people to dance with you, you know, if you bring the wrong partners with, that's just the way it goes. I mean, and it and it did, and it and it hurt the White Sox on a, a number of trades. You know, was <clears throat> with uh, with Oakland, they they had two pitchers that were out there, two pitchers that were available, and uh, one of them was going to be a free agent. One was going to be uh, therefore Manaya was going to be there for another year. They tried, believe me. They're not. They're not dumb. They're not ignorant to what the uh, marketplace is. But you just can't get people to agree if you don't have the matchups, and that was the case for the White Sox. Let's squeeze in Joe in St. Charles before we break. Joe, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Happy New Year. Hey, happy New Year. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of front offices in baseball that realize what a difference that um, shift rule is going to make. And I am really glad that the Cubs seem to have gotten out ahead of it. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to do. 
What do you think? Well, Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Bruce, I, I would just think that that's why Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner are paired together, and that's a dynamic duo in many ways, but especially defensively. And that was that was a move that they had to make, but also one with the shift in mind, right? Absolutely. Look, I know uh, Anthony Rizzo only hit two and a quarter last year, <clears throat> but for most of his career, he's been a 270 hitter. When he started his career, he was closer to a 290 hitter, okay? And then the shift became prevalent, and nobody was impacted more uh, than as far as me watching baseball than Anthony Rizzo as far as batting average and the way people were throwing him out because of his speed or lack thereof uh, at first base from looked like the right looked like you know Clemente could have been throwing him out from the from the warning track <laughs> because his speed kept going down and the shifting kept adding more people into the areas where he's hitting line drives so a lot of left-handed hitters should go up anywhere from 15 to 30 40 points on their average without the shift and not only is the shift no longer there but you're you're not able to play uh you know too far off the dirt i believe you know you have to be on the dirt so with that in mind it should be a, a big boon for any good hitter who can hit the either field but most particularly i think the left-handed hitters all right when we come back we're going to play one of our favorite musical segments because it allows us to harmonize bruce and it will be should he stay or should he go next on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Who should stay and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Yes, we're playing Should I Stay or Should I Go Now? Looking at one player from the White Sox, one player from the Cubs, asking the question, in this case, today on the last day of 2022, should he stay or should he go? And let's start with an idea and with the player that has already been mentioned on this show this morning, Nick Madrigal, the second baseman of the Chicago Cubs, the former second baseman of the Chicago White Sox. And, Bruce, you think maybe the future second baseman of the Chicago White Sox. Should he stay or should he go from the north side? The one thing that I love about Madrigal back to the White Sox is the White Sox loved Nick Madrigal, okay? They also saw that injuries and the possibility of him uh, not being able to play any other position was going to be limiting to him. So they included him, and the Cubs may insisted upon him in a trade for Craig Kimbrell two summers ago. Um, that was it was a big trade. Uh, it might turn out to be that um, Hoyer uh, is going to come back after Tommy John and be the big back end pitcher that the Cubs expect him to be. But in the, in the instance of of Madrigal with the Cubs, he no longer fits for the Cubs. He plays one position, David. That's it, okay? Doesn't have the arm for shortstop. Not not a prototypical third baseman. He has no other position, okay? The White Sox need a second baseman. He was their number one pick four years ago. Uh, they love the bat-to-ball ability, the feistiness of the player, the ability to continue to improve and be a, a catalyst at the top of the order. That might still exist in their mind, and they're not putting all their chips on them any longer because, uh, you know, it's just a, a buy-in for a couple more years here. If it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. He's going to make the minimum, and that's about it. Uh, for the Cubs, you can't even look at him as, you know, the modern-day well, we'll play him here, there, and everywhere if he doesn't play second. doesn't work with Madrigal. He's either uh, traded or he's really a non-tender candidate for the Chicago Cubs. Because Dansby Swanson signed a seven-year, $177 million contract to play shortstop. He's your guy. Nico Horner, I think, Bruce, within the next six months, I don't know if you agree with this, but Nico Horner likely will sign a contract extension to stay on the north side alongside Dansby Swanson. That is the way you you get better. That is the way you retain your talent and you you give people what they deserve. And Nico Horner, I think, has earned a contract extension. Where does Nick Madrigal fit in that picture? He doesn't. It's crowded. Now, he's too high of a draft pick, I think, to to limit in your organization to a utility role. And he's too light of a bat, to me, to pencil in as your designated hitter. So he's caught in no man's land from a baseball perspective, and I think that if you can get anything for him, you do uh, seek possible trade partners, and the White Sox make too much sense. 
I don't know what it would take to get him back, but certainly it would be a trade, one of those best for both teams. It's good for both teams. That would be, to me, why Nick Madrigal should go from the Cubs. And, hey, if he wants to go back to the White Sox, that makes all the sense in the world. Good one. One, one, other, one other point, David, before we move on, and that is he's automatically, if he's healthy, he's automatically better than any of the second basemen that the White Sox have to offer right now. Right. Period. It, period. Because now this is, this is an asterisk with that comment. Unless they go out on the side of Elvis Andrews to play second base with the same idea or shortstop in Tim Anderson and Andrews give the Sox what the Cubs have in Swanson and Horner. Right. That's a one-year deal or a two-year deal, though. I still think that Madrigal might be a better trade partner somewhere else, but until the Sox do that, all this conversation does make a lot of sense to me and is a and, valid and, and, speculation. And the comfortability of him going back to the White Sox is automatically yeah. there. Knows everything, knows about the organization, all the instructors, all the players. It would just be, it would be, I, I think, a win-win for the Cubs and White Sox to make that kind of trade. So, Bruce, the other guy we're going to dis- debate and discuss and speculate about is another White Sox draft uh, draft pick, who went to the Sox in the second round of the 2017 amateur draft, and that's Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets had 15 home runs and 377. Uh, at bats in 2022, a higher home run rate than Andrew Vaughn, who led the team, and Jose Abreu, who you think is you know a home run hitter, but he only had 15 last year. Gavin Sheets is left-handed pop, but can only DH. I don't think you want him in the outfield, and now he's probably not going to play first base because that's Andrew Vaughn's position. What do you think about the possibility that Gavin Sheets will be on the opening day roster with the White Sox? Well, I think it's a good one unless there's a, a big trade and he's a part of it, okay? I don't think he's in a little trade. Sheets can play right field. He can play first base and, and pretty good there. He can DH. So if there's injuries, and there will be injuries along the way, as we know, Sheets gives you depth at those three positions, and he's a left-handed power bat. With that in mind, unless you're getting something really big back in a multiplayer trade, let's say the Dodgers and the White Sox make that trade that I've been talking about, where Lux comes from the Dodgers, where Anderson goes to the Dodgers, wow. and then you have and then you have three or four other players involved in a multiplayer deal. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a make-believe trade, but in reality, you know, these are the type of trades with uh, Montgomery coming along in the in the Sox organization, and the uh, the flexibility of Anderson's very reasonable contract that doesn't max out more than $12 million for each of the next two to three years. Um, it's a its a feasible contract. I'm not saying to trade Tim Anderson. I still think, <clears throat> excuse me, David, I still think that Tim Anderson's an important part of the Chicago White Sox. But if you're projecting toward the future and you have a player with Lux's ability who hasn't quite shined out yet but certainly has the ability to step up as a star player eventually in this league or in either league uh it's a feasible one and that's where i i i got away from the main question which is if sheets is involved in a big deal like that you move him to me he's valuable to keep on the team uh unless it's a big trade where you're getting something really good back. Interesting premise. I think I want to add to the conversation in regard to the Dodgers. They did just sign J.D. Martinez. He'll fit into their D.H. role, and I think that's a bet 
but it's also a right-handed bat, so I don't know how that would, might affect uh, uh, the things that we're talking about. Gavin Sheets, to me, it might be a guy worth keeping. I don't think you want to give up on young power hitters at this stage of the career, especially for a team that needed to hit more home runs last year. That said, Bruce, I can't really get my mind past the idea that you just floated a Tim Anderson rumor. Again, and I think that I want to know from your perspective the likelihood of the White Sox even having conversations with a team like the Dodgers about the possibility of trading a guy whose exit from the South Side I think would be highly unpopular. And I'm not oh, sure that I, they I agree. You know, I this agree. is somebody that that is in need of a bounce back here, but I think has earned the benefit of the doubt for this franchise. And I don't know until I would see the haul in return if I would even get behind that possibility. I would hate to see Tim Anderson leave the Sox. I'm not an advocate of it, but I, like any general manager, and I, I general manage a very small team here at the score. Um, <laughs> it doesn't even include all our teammates, I don't think, on that team. Uh so well, some people won't that, play for you, Bruce. That's that that is a fact. That's a fact. But the reality of the situation for Anderson is he's so valuable to the White Sox on the field, but more importantly, he's fit in being a Chicagoan. He's fit into being a uh, a guy that gives back to the south side of Chicago, gives back to the city uh with his charity work. Uh a guy that has been a lightning rod as far as a leader for this team over the last three or four years since he established himself uh, in that one very famous game against Kansas City about three years ago. Uh, He has been called the face of the organization. Last year, an injury-plagued year, a tough year off the field for him, not quite the uh, luster uh, that he had in the past. That doesn't make him a lesser player. Still a dynamic hitter a guy that had improved defensively tremendously in 21, not so much in 22. But again, those distractions may, may for sure be away from him in 2023. So by no means am I saying they should trade him, but Gavin Lux, you know, is not chopped liver, okay? He's a really strong uh, player, a number one pick by the Dodgers, a kid from Wisconsin originally. And... Um, somebody that is probably going to grow into being a very good hitter and maybe the everyday shortstop for the Dodgers in 2023. But, you know, I look at teams and I project what's happening. And Montgomery continues to have a linear progress that he had in the, major, in the minor leagues last year. It's not without, you know, without feasibility that he's their uh, candidate to be the starting second baseman or shortstop for the White Sox in 2024. Bruce, it also just underscores, even though we are on the last day of 2022, we're only midway through really the offseason, and there will be more trades to be made when teams reconvene and get things going again and plug the hot stove back in. So this is a conversation worth continuing. As it pertains to, to, to Gavin Sheets, I'm curious, do you believe it's more likely or unlikely that he will be in the opening day White Sox lineup uh, either as a DH or I don't think he will play uh, right field, but you never know because Oscar Colas, until he makes the team, is still a minor league outfielder. I'll go with Colas, and I will say that he's on the roster, but in a backup role. And again, they'll say, hey, look, something happens to any of those guys in right field at first base. You know, Vaughn goes down, you know, White Sox Nation forbid 
for a period of time. Colas goes down for a period of time. Eloy has his usual injury problems. You have a guy that can fill any of those roles and has shown at times to be a very productive hitter. Let's squeeze in Stephen Peoria, who has a White Sox question I think is an interesting one. Steve, welcome inside the clubhouse and Happy New Year. Hey, Bruce uh, and uh, David, Happy New Year to you. One thing that I, I haven't really ever been hearing on uh, the, from anybody is uh, what I consider the found, uh, question about the foundation of the team, and that'd be the scouting department. I'm wondering how much resources the Sox slash Jerry Reinsdorf are putting into the scouting, which would uh, be the reason why they don't have the prospects. They aren't. They don't. It seems like they don't have a real good scouting department, and they're they're not putting the resources into that. Thanks, Steve. I, Bruce, I, I don't know. Recent years, uh, if you look at number one picks, they've been pretty damn good. I mean, if you liked Madrigal, okay. If you like the idea of um, Vaughn, if you uh, like the idea of Crochet. Um, those are pretty good. We don't know what Crochet's uh, eventual landing place is going to be. Uh, Montgomery, look at what he's at. So if you're going to get on uh, number one picks in the White Sox right now, I'd say it's valid going back maybe four or five years ago uh, and, and prior to that. But in recent times, you know, with Mike Shirley recently, uh, I think the picks have been pretty good. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question that's almost difficult to answer without having access or being privy to everything that goes into that, right? So you see the results of guys who were drafted or scouted and then how they develop and and perform. But there are two aspects to me, Bruce, that question addresses. Number one is the scouting of prospects and the drafting and the development throughout the minor league system. And then there's the major league scouting of teams that are – armed with analytics and that what I think the White Sox will be more adept at doing this year because Pedro Gafal is a manager that frankly would be more open to that. So it's a broad question. I don't know if there's any specific answer, but it's something, Steve, that we will continue to monitor and discuss because it's a valid point moving forward. Absolutely true. So Bruce, we need to wrap this year up and we will do that in the next segment, I want to look at the rest of the league. I want to talk about Carlos Correa a little bit, and I want to talk to you and get your impressions on the Steve Cohen effect on Major League Baseball. We're going to continue with Inside the Clubhouse next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And that one drilled out into very deep left center, and it's a home run for Correa. And the Twins lead 2 to nothing. Oh, boy. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, final segment of 2022. That was a highlight. Carlos Correa hitting a home run for the Twins against the White Sox. Thank you, NBC Sports Chicago and Len Casper, our good friend. Bruce, what in the world is going on with Carlos Correa? First, it was the Giants. No, cancel the press conference. There's something wrong with his physical. There's something wrong with his ankle. Now the Mets. I don't think that's official yet. I don't know that he's going to... Um, be able to play for them or not, that seems to be up in the air. What is your take, number one, on how this got to this point with Scott Boris being the agent? And you would think that there is every I dotted and T crossed when it comes to Boris, and not yet. Here's Carlos Correa still not knowing on the last day of 2020, 2022 where he's going to be spending 2023. 
Well, I don't think anybody wants to spend 10 years or 12 years signing Carlos Correa anymore. I think his ability to get a contract like that is done, okay? And I, I think at this point, uh, a three- to five-year deal for Carlos Correa might have to be reinvented by Scott Boris, the super agent, to get him a viable job because nobody nobody likes the injury that uh, I guess came in 2014 to his leg as far as uh, longevity goes for Carlos Correa. Uh, to, to our knowledge, none of the, that injury hasn't kept him off the field, but it certainly has uh, teams not willing to go 10 or 12 years for him at this point. So he's probably more of a, a viable five to seven year guy. Maybe somebody takes a shot at him at that. Uh, certainly uh, when, when on the field, Carlos Correa is a difference maker and a proven 900 OPS plus in playoff baseball, which he had a lot of with the Houston Astros. So he's a valuable guy to have, but projecting how long you want to pay for him. I, I think these 10 year contracts for anybody is completely nuts. I mean, it's just okay. That ridiculous. fair enough. I want to get to that in a moment, but counselor, you opened the door. So I'm going to go through that. If Carlos Correa is still technically on the open market and it is a shorter term deal, does he make sense for any of the two White Sox or Cubs teams in Chicago, any of the two Chicago baseball teams to pursue? Uh, for the, I, I don't think, I don't think either one, because, uh, you know, we're, Okay, you move in. You find you, you find room, Bruce. If you get Carlos Correa okay. for a three-year bargain basement deal, you play him so at Mankata third base. Your second baseman. I, I, you, well, if you're the White Sox, yeah, you figure something out. No, okay. no, or you, or you trade, that's easy. You trade Mankata? No, you you take Carlos Correa on the White Sox. You put him at shortstop. You talk to Tim Anderson. You say, "Can you do the Nico okay. Horner for us? Can you go to second yes. base?" Yeah. And he'll say, no, you know what? I'm going to take a year off. No, he won't. No, he won't. <laughs> He's, he, you, don't want, you, don't want, you don't want your iconic shortstop uh, that you've deemed the leader of your team to be moving to second base because yes. he, 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 he will not want to do it. Okay? In this, ludic in this I, I, ludicrous I, hypothetical, Bruce, he would love to do it because it, he would be a part of a team that would be the runaway favorite in the AL Central. Okay. That's uh, in, maybe in the Disney movie that you've created that works out. In my Disney movie, mine is, mine is more, you know, it's, it's probably a little darker Disney uh, uh, from my perspective. And he doesn't, Bruce, he, doesn't accept, he doesn't accept like Nico Horner has, you know, moving from shortstop to second base. Even though you can say defensively, Horner was equal or better uh, than the guy that he's re that's replacing him at the position. Bruce, so it, your, your favorite children's books have zombies in them. I mean, come on, have a happy only, ending. Only, only toward the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we digress. When you look at Carlos Correa, though, what is there a lesson to be taken away here? Because the yeah, Giants have a smart hurt. front office, right? The, the Giants are a what? good front office. The Mets. What? I, I, look, you don't get to see these medicals until there's a deal on, you know, okay, we have a deal in principle. You see the medicals. Okay, here they are. Minnesota probably saw the same thing last year, okay, when they signed him to a three-year contract. You know, down the road, this old leg injury might start debilitating this player. 
but we're giving him three years. He's likely going to walk if he has a great year for us after the first year. So we're going to go. We're going to think that Carlos Correa is going to help us win a World Series in 2022. It didn't work out. He was a good player. I think he played 135 games, missed 27. Okay, right. uh, that's that's a full year for Correa. I, I just I just think he's poorly evaluated all across the board, and by that I mean objectively. He has averaged 112 games per year for his big league career. Okay, fair enough. So, so respect your opinion. Games a year, 50 games a year, David. You're not going to see the guy. However, he's an impact player. Everybody would love to have him. If the Mets pay him uh, 62 million dollars for a one-year deal, maybe he does that. You know, again. I think the Mets will do that. They will find a way. And I, I, I want to get out of here. I can't get out of here without getting your opinion on this. They'll do that because that's what Steve Cohen does. The Mets owner gets what he wants because he's willing to pay whatever the cost. Now, this is somebody who rubs many owners the wrong way. Some people have said he's bad for baseball. If I were a fan of the Mets, I would love it. I would absolutely love having an owner this aggressive. Bruce, the Mets are over $100 million uh, in, in luxury tax. That's what they'll pay in 2023. That would be more than 10 teams' payroll. The overall investment for the, this team next season will be a, approaching a half a billion dollars. In your mind, Bruce, is Steve Cohen good or bad for the game? He's good because what he's doing is he's upping the, uh, the average for players out there. Uh, the money is there. The owners won't make as much money if the con- contracts continue to go up. But at the end of the day, you can make the reverse argument that it's going to impact the the, uh, the fans who pay every single dollar uh, for Major League Baseball, all $11 billion or $12 billion of what the industry is. And that's going to continue to go up with these new contracts. However, the fans are going to continue to pay more and more as well. So it's good news, bad news. Uh, the players will get more money, okay? There'll be bigger contracts, but at the end of the day, uh, fans will be paying more money to see or buy the merchandise or watch their teams on a daily basis. Good answer, strong opinion, and Bruce, that is why each and every Saturday morning it is a pleasure to talk baseball with you. This uh, past year of 2022, we've had a year of great shows. I always look forward to talking to you to see what you have in store. I love bantering with you because you know how it works. You never take it personal, and we are able to have these kind of discussions and arguments, if you will, and it makes every Saturday morning between 9 and 11 some of the best fun that I have all week on the the air. And more importantly, David, I enjoy working with you every single week, and I really enjoy you as a person because I am so old, as you always point out, that from week (laughs) to week, I forget what you said to me the prior week. So with that in mind, Happy New Year to our great audience, the great fans of the score the great baseball fans in Chicago. Thank you for supporting us to another great year, and we're looking forward to another great one in 2023. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website at 670thescore.com. And, David, I look forward to another great year. Have a great new year. Thanks to Studs for a great job for us, and I will see you next week. Thanks, Bruce. And- the bad news is, or the good news is, at midnight, you're even older. So 2023 is right around the corner, and we will be back. we talking baseball. Thank you for everything you do, lining up guests, providing 
opinions and information and going back and forth with me each and every Saturday morning. Adam Sadzinski is our producer. He did a great job today stepping in. And he is next on The Score, beginning at 11, going until 1-ish here on The Score. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 The Score. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.